Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Just a brief update before my amazing guest begins. I should say that Daniel Hess, you're really going to enjoy his interview. And as parents, it's just something to remember when we are told that our children have maybe physical or mental or other kinds of struggles or disabilities, that whatever one obstacle presents, it does not account for what other opportunities are unveiled. And Daniel Hess's life is exactly like that. He was told early on some things that he shouldn't do as a young, as a little boy. And to see what he's made of his life, despite some really life-threatening health issues, pretty darn exciting. So I think a lot about it from a mother's perspective because, well, it was just Mother's Day, kind of that bittersweet holiday where lots of us moms think about the holiday and are excited or thankful. But sometimes we also have that feeling of, am I going to be forgotten or have I lost a child or did I just lose my own mother? Those kinds of things. So Daniel's conversation, and he's just so amazing. But yeah, it really hit on some things that I think bring a lot of value. Just that reminder, kids do exceed our greatest expectation and we have influence over their lives, but never, never, never the control over ultimately who they become and what happens with them. Such a great guest. So for me, just a quick quick shout out to... um best book ever podcast. And I love, love, love Julie at best book ever podcast. I got to be her guest where I had the fortunate opportunity to talk about someone else's book that I really enjoyed. Julie's whole podcast is interviewing people and particularly writers on some of their own uh, best favorite books. So such a joy. And I'll add the link to that. Thank you, Julie, for having me and for connecting me to another amazing podcaster. Also, I was excited that my book marketing on the skinny student, Tammy Horvath, had a wonderful opportunity, and she and I both got to be on a wonderful program. Nelson Brown had a Mother's Day panel today, which is May 10th. So he had a live Mother's Day panel, and he had his own mother, as well as Tammy Horvath, who wrote a memoir about her son's murder and her coming to terms with the her need to frankly forgive the person who killed her only child. So Tammy was there, and it was so exciting to see her be at that event, but also to be in this discussion with other moms. Absolutely loved it. So thank you, Mr. Nelson Brown. He has a program called The Beauty Within Us, and I always get those words wrong. Uh, But The Beauty Within Us, it's filmed live, but I'm going to later have a link to the edited show. 
And with that, I will delay no more. Thanks always for giving the podcast a thumbs up, um, for sharing it with a friend, and for letting me know that it means something to you. Really appreciate it, and I hope you have a terrific week. Welcome, persisters and brothers, to Persistence You with Lisbeth. And today I am so honored to have Daniel Hess with me, who has the story that will really make you rethink how you respond to stress, but not just that, how you find inspiration with what people tell you you can and cannot achieve. Yeah. So, you know, pretty much from the start, (laughs) I was kind of set down a, a certain path, you know, because I was born with a condition known as aortic valve stenosis, which essentially means that the aortic valve is already kind of damaged from birth. And when blood is supposed to be pumping out, it kind of leaks back in. So uh, from the start, they kind of were like, you know, I was one year old when they found it. And from that point on, every year it was echocardiograms, EKGs and check-ins with a uh, pediatric cardiologist. And, you know, for a long time, it was just you know, we'll keep an eye, they were just keeping an eye on it and everything. And, you know, I definitely had some limitations there as I got older and all of that. Um, but really, like, I feel like everything sort of hit between like ages like nine to 12, as far as like the most major setbacks for me. Right. Um, because like, Growing up, you know, I did rec football and sports and stuff and, and kind of being in a small town, it was like, you know, that was sort of the escape sure. <laughs> for, for everybody. It was like, you know, be good at sports, get a scholarship, you know, all that good stuff. Um, so that's sort of where the headspace was at. And once I got into like, you know, looking into going in the middle school and stuff like that, you know, the theme sort of became, well, you know we don't really want you doing sports. We don't really want you doing things that are very physically demanding, you know, stop and go for the heart is not great, especially for what I was dealing with. And then, you know, the, the second sort of really major thing that hit was when I was 10, you know, my, my cousin, uh, who was like a really close friend of mine growing up, uh, he actually passed away from cystic fibrosis when he was, when he was only 14. Um, and that was after a few months of being in a coma and we were pretty much going to the hospital every day, you know, hoping things would progress. And it just eventually got to the point where the doctors were like, you know, this isn't going to change. So, you know, had to make the hard decision to sort of take him off the machine and kind of see what happens. And of course he didn't make it. Um, and so those those things really changed the trajectory of like where my life was going to be going from that point forward. Um, and what you could, you know, maybe try to say in a, in a negative sense. And, you know, it was it was really hard. Um, I can remember walking into the viewing that we had for him and just instantly just bursting out in tears. And it was just nonstop. Um you know, really until uh, his brother actually came up to me and gave me a few things of his and kind of sat with me and just kind of said, you know, he he wouldn't want you to be sad. He'd want you to try to make the most out of life going forward. And that message, you know, 
for me being a 10 year old has stuck with me for as long as I've lived since then, you know, and and that's been the thing that has continually pushed me forward in life. Um, And I'm not sure if I got too ahead of myself with kind of going off on that. No, that's wonderful because Mm -hmm. you already had been given some news like, Hey, careful. Well, we have to wait and see, wait and see what's happening with Daniel's heart and, you know, all of that. And then, that's pretty rough for a little bitty kid. And then at the age of 10 to be going through a death of someone you're super close to who was a child, you know, that's pretty poignant as well. So what did you hear about your own health as you were getting a little bit older with your uh, issues? Yeah. So, you know, as, as I kept getting older and everything, it was, you know, for a long time, it was just, I realized like, okay, you know, sports isn't going to be the thing. Um, which eventually kind of pushed me more into the academic realm and sort of taking that much, much more seriously. Um, Because throughout like elementary school and then even it was really middle school that changed it. Like once I sort of got that news, had that experience, I was like, you know, wanted to go to school, loved it, loved trying to learn as much as I could, moved my way up into like the what they called back then the gifted and talented program Great. track and all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. And, and so it was just a, a journey of like seeing where one thing might've been closing off and then saying, okay, what can we do to continue like making the most out of life in general? And that's what it sort of fell into. Right. Um. So, yeah. So as, as I went through school and stuff, it was just like, that was, that was my thing. That was really, pushing me along and, uh, you know, changing the dynamic, but in a very positive way for me. I love that. In a small town, I mean, I think people don't always understand. Small towns, sports are the thing. That's what everyone kind of looks up to. That's what the, you know, small towns are built around local sports and kids who perform athletically. So to hear the fact that as a young man, Hey, this is not going to be in your reality. It's not, not at all. That was pretty, pretty big deal. It, you know, in a big city, you might have had a whole lot of other options, but in a smaller mm-hmm. town, you have to work to find those options. And so, what did you find that really? Where did you start flourishing and seeing, like, wow, you know? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was really starting with like just general studies, and then eventually what really started taking off for me was like, I always, I always had an affinity for like writing and sort of exploring that world of creativity. The The problem always kind of arose in that, like for one, you know, in my family, there was people that were creative, but no one had ever taken it as a career. Sure. So there's, there's no kind of like base model for me to say, Oh, you know, aunt so-and-so is like a writer. Let me talk to her about her life. Um, And so it was between that and then also, again, that like more small town kind of feeling of just like almost feeling kind of uh, like pushed against that world just because it was like, you know, something that wasn't very masculine. And there was a lot of that like kind of strange pressure that I would feel, um, you know, like my, my graduating class was like 150 kids, you know, it wasn't a big school and everybody kind of knew everything about everyone. <laughs> and and so you kind of felt that, that, that peer pressure of just like, well, let me, 
me sort of tiptoe with this, but I don't know if I should be going full swing into it. And I think that was always my trepidation um, throughout life, you know, even to the point where as I was getting through high school and stuff, I thought for the longest time, oh, I'm going to go to school for pharmacy and be a pharmacist and have this (laughs) very, you know, okay, we know exactly where that trajectory is going and it's very easy to track. Um, but ultimately I, you know, I, I kind of had a a lot of positive influences towards the tail end of my high school career that really helped me realize that like, are you really going to be happy, you know, sitting behind a desk counting, you know, pills and stuff like that? Or, you know, and I kind of just realized like, no, it, it really wasn't for me. And, you know, that helped me again, kind of take that next step into my like creative space and feeling more confident about it because that's really been the theme throughout my life is just like slowly gaining confidence into that world you know throughout it because it has been a struggle right right that's huge though that you you know early in life would put your energy into gaining that confidence and saying yeah you know this is what I want to do you mentioned I know when we talked before you ended up landing in a profession where you made actually a pretty great money in the non-creative. Well, in some ways it's creative, but yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about how your path kind of took a little turn and then you reversed course? Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the crazy thing, and, and it's something that I try to watch out for and folks I see coming out of college now, because I, I went through it personally, which is like, you have, this certain traction going, you know, like I had my senior thesis film that was very well received and it gotten into festivals, but yeah, it was, it was great. Like I was really excited. Like I was, I PA'd on like a set for like a million dollar film in Baltimore. It was a lot of good things happening. Oh my good. What's PA'd (laughs) mean by the way? Like production assistant. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. So it was like a film with like Sam Rockwell and Olivia Wilde and stuff. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. (laughs) But I mean, the issue was, is just like, while those things were were fun, it just the the financial end was just not happening as quickly as I needed it to. Right. Um, And between that and that time, I was kind of like, I would say still in that little bit of rebellious phase with my parents and stuff. And so we were butting heads and I uh, kind of moved out, you know, very like just on a on a whim almost. And so (laughs) sort of kind of sort of kind of. And, you know, life just happened so fast, you know, it's just like, okay, bills are a thing now. Rent is a thing. And, uh, you know, I kind of was just grasping at whatever I could get freelancing wise and finally, uh, I landed on doing wedding videography through a guy who was doing photography and wanted to add video. So, you know, he was paying me pretty good. And I realized like, wow, you know, there's there's pretty good money in this. And so I really started pushing into that world. And next thing I knew, it was like, you know, at the peak of everything, I was running myself. I had other crews that were running weddings in the same weekend that I was managing. And, and it was just going crazy. Like there's just, you know, tons of weddings that I was filming and, you know, it got me to a place where it was like, I was able to buy my house and, you know, afford things and all this other stuff, which was great. 
but at the same time it was like taking away from any energy that could go into creative endeavors right and so next thing you know it was like i did my thesis film in 2012 and then it's 2018 and in that gap i had done a few small like music video projects but nothing like short film nothing creative like any of it and uh it was just like a weird feeling because i kind of knew that all this time was passing by and you know two kind of like major things happened in 2018 you know one of those being i had a, a friend who worked on that senior thesis film reach out to me and was just touching base to see where i was at with life and i kind of told them like hey i'm doing wedding videography and stuff and their response was kind of like oh that that's a shame Wow. Yeah. And And you made really respectable funds, right? You were making good money. Yeah. I mean, I was making um, like a little over a hundred grand a year. That's a dream for so many of us. So good for you. And he's like, that's a shame, Daniel. You're squandering your talent. Pretty much. And I was just like, wow, you know, and it, that really like just cemented with me. And then a few months later, I had switched insurances because I was, you know, I had to go onto my own insurance after uh, being 27. The Your whole health changeover. insurance. Yep. Yep. So I went to see it. It was a different cardiologist. And when they did the echo and the EKG, they were kind of like, ooh, this, this is bad. Like, this doesn't look good. Uh, Instead of, you know, the thought process forever was like, you might need to get heart surgery when you're in your 50s or maybe your 60s. It's Mm -hmm. not that bad. And their prognosis was like, oh, no, we're like a couple years away from this, you know. goodness. And how old were you at that point? So I was 28 when I got that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Much, much earlier than you were expecting. Yeah. So it was a a wake-up call because I was just like – you know, I know that we're at a point where like heart surgery is is not as risky as it once was, but you know, there's still possibilities that come up. You never know. Sure. So for me it was just like, wow, what am I what am I doing with life? You know, what have I spent these last 6 years doing besides just, you know, making money, which is great and helped me out in so many ways, but at the same time I was so creatively like broken in a sense. Like I wasn't right. doing anything. So that really, like, again, was another kind of like point that really changed my thought process into what I wanted to do moving forward from there. Wow. So how did you recalibrate to get back on track as to where you wanted to be in the creative arts? Well, I mean, the first thing I kind of did was naively sort of just tried to dive right back into it. Uh, I, I tried to make a what I was going to try to make a feature film out of ended up being a short film, but I just tried to give myself like two months to like assemble everything together. And then like a week and a half to shoot this thing. And I was just very off the cuff, like, let's just make it happen. And I ended up investing like a ton of my own money into it. Um, And it got into a few festivals. It it did win like one or two things, uh, which was cool. Yeah. But like, you know, the thought was this was going to somehow open up the floodgates for like this creative resurgence. And, you know, while it was the first step, it was really, you know, eye opening because you realize like, 
wow, this is a huge field of people that are all trying to do the same thing. And you have to approach this in a much more smart and kind of calculated way that I really took for granted. So again, it was something that, you know, you could easily take in a negative light, but I was just like, okay, we, we did this and we see all the mistakes we made. How can we continue to grow? And that was sort of the jumping off point to get me back into that creative mindset, which was amazing because I was, you know, still happy that I made it happen regardless of where it ended up going, you know? Right. And then what happened with your health? Did you ever get things taken care of that the doctors recommended? Yeah. So, you know, the, the next sort of like step for me was really, I think the next step for a lot of people in the world, which was when the pandemic happened, it really caused me to, again, slow down and be very self-reflective because I had like, if I, I, I think if the pandemic hadn't happened, I probably would have tried to keep going with like the status quo because even though I wasn't doing weddings for myself anymore as my own entity, I was still doing them with a guy locally that I really enjoyed working with. And we had like a whole calendar year pretty much set up. Wow. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, I know I'm going to be working all these weekends coming up. And, you know, I was really like kind of pessimistic about it because I was still telling myself like, we need to stop doing weddings, man. (laughs) Um, So, you know, within a week and a half, like everything went away, you know, any kind of traction was completely gone. And it was scary, you know, Um, really what ended up helping was, uh, you know, the the unemployment insurance came through, which was a savior for me personally. Um, But in that time, I sat myself down and was like, look, we've been wanting to do like a feature film script for a very long time. Now is the time to do it. And I just disciplined myself to just say, okay, we don't need to do this all at once. We can do a few pages here, a few pages there. And I just kept those blocks like building up. And next thing you knew, I I had like a 90 page script. That was a first pass of a feature film script that I was done. Yeah. I mean, it was months and months. And, you know, since then, of course, it's gone through multiple drafts. But just having that, like, you know, discipline to sit down with myself, because up until that point, I didn't have that. And something just kind of changed where I was like, you know, this is what it's this is life in general. You know, it is. It's all about building a foundation and then going up from there little by little. Right. And so that approach just helped me through. And then, you know, a couple years later, fast forward to 2021, late 2021. And at that point, I was, you know, getting six month check ins for my heart, because they did sort of say, okay, yes, this isn't looking great. And December of last year, I got a call from the cardiologist. And at first, she said, I think we can wait another six months. And in the back of my head, I had this feeling I was like, I think she's I think something's gonna come up. And so she called me back the next day and was like, well, I looked at it again. And yeah, I, I don't want to risk it. I think we need to do surgery. Daniel. And I was like, man, uh, here, here we go. Like, this is, this is what this has been kind of leading up to. And it was, it was scary. Um, 
you know, I, I met with the, the surgeon and everything. Of course, he, you know, shook my hand and was just like, you're in good hands. I felt like, you know, everything was on the up and up. But still, you know, I, I had that feeling like, okay, you know, something could still happen here. And so, you know, the the day of came and I was as nervous as can be. Um, I even wrote like a, a whole note to my parents, like just outlining, okay, like, in case anything happens, here's what I want you to do with this X, Y, Z. And here's, wow. you know, I love you guys and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I went in and I remember the last thing I did was I, I sat, I was in the table and they had me connecting up and uh, I just looked at everyone in the room. It was freezing cold in that room. And I was like, I told him a joke. That was that was the last thing I did before they put me under. Which was my my classic go to dad joke of uh, what did the math book say to the doctor? Uh, which is, boy, do I have a lot of problems. Um, <laughs> That's good, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I always keep that up there. Good job, uh, stand up comedy right before you get your heart taken uh-huh. care of. <laughs> and so you know, everybody laughed, and then yeah, they they put me under and. I woke up, <laughs> you know, that was, that was my first mission was like, um, I got to wake up and I did. And, uh, my, my mom was in the room and I just remember they still had the breathing apparatus in me so I couldn't talk, but they handed me like the little paper thing to point to like what I wanted to say. And I just remember I, I looked over at my mom and just pointed to, I, I spelled out, I love you. <laughs> that was the first thing I did. And, uh, was just overcome because I was just like, we did it, <laughs> you know, like we made it through this. And this is part two of life, essentially. That is so exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank That's you. huge. I mean, we're, we're recording this the day after Mother's Day. And so that's kind of the eve almost of Father's Day. So it's a kind of poignant time, but you were a child born with so many things that gave you little wake up calls. It seems like you almost thrive in the middle of pretty tough news, whether it's the pandemic or a diagnosis or the death of your cousin. But what would you tell other parents when they get the news? Because a lot of us have our children and we think, oh, this is, you know, this child is going to be almost the image of me, or I can't wait to see this child do the very things I dreamed this child would do. And of course, that's ridiculous. And that doesn't happen for so many of us. But what kind of hope would you give for parents whose children were born with some obstacles and wouldn't be the model of what they were maybe thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we all want, especially with children, you know, we we want them to be this like, we want them to have a, a great life. You know, we want them to be happy. And we don't want them to have to go through pain or obstacles or anything like that. But, you know, I just think that no matter what we're given in life, it's we we have this amazing power to move past it and to become inspired by what limits us, because it's the thing that that helps us understand who we are, you know. So for me, it's like there was times like I know things could have been a lot different. You know, I was a a kid who went through some teenage angst phase. And um, there was an instance one time where I asked a friend 
to bum a cigarette to try a cigarette. And he knew about my heart condition was like, look, man, I know you got a heart condition. I'm not giving you a cigarette. Wow. You know? And, and it was moments like that, you know, that really like helped change things in a positive sense. So it's like, you know, without something like that, who knows, like maybe I would have, you know, smoked or maybe there would have been other substances that came into the fold, right. you know, but it's, it's, to me, it's, it's never been a limitation in the true sense. And I think that's what people need to remember, especially with their children is just like, we're and we have an amazing ability to adapt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as long as you're there to provide a point of like inspiration and support, like that's all, you know, that's all a child needs. And that's all I ever got from my parents and could ask for from them that they were always there, you know, saying like, you can do this, like we're supporting you, you know, and, and everything that I did. And, you know, so that to me is like what everyone kind of needs to think about and remember it's just like, it's nothing is a, nothing is a true disability in life. You know, a everything is something that pushes us in a certain path and that path can be amazing no matter what, would we all like want perfection? Of course, you know, like would I maybe have said, okay, I wish I didn't have to have a bad heart valve and go through surgery. Totally. You know, it was a pain. Um, but you know, it, it also has been the thing that has defined me in, in so many different ways and has given me so many moments in life to do exactly what you said, which is just have these moments of trial, but also pushing me in the direction that I know I need to go in life and inspire me at kind of every, every step of the way it has been there to, to help me stay inspired and push on the way I want to. That's so terrific. I mean, it seems like every single thing has nudged you to reimagine what mm -hmm. a future could look like and expand your ideas of what success is. And, you know, exactly. it doesn't, it turns out that not being a football player doesn't seem to have harmed you whatsoever. No, <laughs> <laughs> getting, not getting drafted into a college football or NFL is not, it's not affected this in any kind of oh, negative way. <laughs> so glad now you've written a book of poetry. To, I love the title. So do talk about some of the things that are upcoming for you because it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So uh, in 2021, I actually self-published my first book, which is a collection of poetry entitled Just a Boy Blaming Himself, <laughs> which is a sort of very self-reflective collection of like five years of poetry that I wrote throughout like my mid to late 20s. Um, lots of lots of angst in there, but, you know, it was a time of transition for me. Sure. Uh, and then this year uh, in June 6, 2022 is the release date for it is uh, uh, my first novel, which is called Focus Puller, which is sort of semi-autobiographical, um, kind of tells the story of, of one guy kind of looking back on his life and showing different vignettes of like important moments that he went through while also containing reflections from people that he's had relationships with. So it's like, on one hand, it's his own interpretation. On another hand, it's the people that have been around him, their interpretation of him as well. Um, so it's sort of a, you know, kind of slice of life type of book. Uh, and I'm really excited about that because it'll be the first 
full length novel that I that I took the time to sit down to. Yeah, that's not easy. So hats off to you. That's not a small project. And mm-hmm. how wonderful. I'm really impressed. Where can listeners learn more about, let's say, your upcoming films, your past or present writing? Yeah. So if people head to my website, which is uh, twotonyproductions.com, and it's T-O-T-O-N-Y productions.com, that pretty much has everything from the films to the books to social media pages. So that's really kind of the hub for everything that I've been working on um, for the last couple of years. Love it. And where did you get the title to Tony? So that is actually for my cousin. Uh, his name was Anthony. So it's a dedication to him. So to Tony, like for Tony, because um, I never wanted to have a production company or a name that was just me or any. I'm I'm too modest to, to do anything like that. And I never wanted to have like his legacy for me be forgotten. So that's where the name sort of. I love that. From. I love that. I'm so glad you shared that with us. Well, thanks so much for being here. I can't wait to see what happens next. And terrific reminder about how we view what is a disability, uh, which can be actually no pushing us in the direction that we were supposed to be in all along. So how Mm -hmm. exciting. Thank you for being here today, Daniel. Of course. Thank you so much for having me again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.